Shalom, everyone. Welcome to our Aliyah Day. I am so very thankful and very glad to uh, be with you this morning. I am Rabbi Griffin. For those of you who are just now joining us, I'm the rabbi of Sar Shalom Synagogue here in Saginaw, Texas, which is a uh, suburb, a beautiful little hamlet just north of Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, glad to be with you. I want to make apologies for my voice this morning if it's a little nasally. I uh struggling with a little bit of a cold that I have apparently acquired, Baruch Hashem. And so uh, I also have my handy-dandy, 100% natural, organic green tea. So if I have to take a sip of tea, please forgive me. By the way, I want to introduce you to my cup. Yes, I said my cup. There are... Uh, you've seen this before, maybe. <laughs> so listen... I want to, this is, I think this is wisdom. You know, I was, uh, I went, my family and I took a little trip just, just for fun. Uh, over the fall, we went to, during Thanksgiving week, we decided to go do something wild and extravagant. So we went to uh, Houston and saw some Lepidniks down there. And then we decided we would shoot over to New Orleans and uh, visit New Orleans and enjoy some uh, kosher Cajun food in New Orleans. And yes, it does exist. While I was there, I saw this cup, this coffee cup. It sits on my desk now, and um, uh, I love the message. So here it is. Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is. Right there. Can you see it? If you don't have haters, you're not making it. That's words of wisdom. Words of wisdom for the rabbi. So just know that in this world, there are people who are just mean-spirited, and they have, and you know, they have their own issues. They got their own issues in their life. Uh, jealousy. Uh, internal strife, self-disappointment, whatever, okay, whatever they're going through, and they take it out on other people. You're going to experience this. And especially if you're doing things that are wonderful, and you're doing things that are godly, then you, those haters are going to come out of the woodwork. You know, it's the old thing about the, the lobsters that are in a pot that are boiling, you know, the, the pot is boiling, and the one lobster is trying to cl uh, climb out. What do the other lobsters do? They try to pull that lobster down. So don't let people pull you down. All right. So we have in our, uh, we are in the third Aliyah, the third Aliyah. If you don't have haters, you're not making it. Always remember that. Sleek up one second. There it is again in case you missed it. All right. Enough about the cup. All right. Page 535 in the Art Scroll Humash. We are the third Aliyah today of Parashah Pekude. Chapter 39, beginning in verse 22, and let's read this Aliyah, and then we will continue our reading about well, from the uh, Midrash Hankuma uh, Pekude, about how God created man. And so it says here, They made the robe of the ephod of a weaver's craft entirely of turquoise wool. Its head opening was folded over within, like the opening of a coat of mail. Its opening had a border all around, so that it would not tear. On the robe's hem, they made pomegranates of turquoise, purple, and scarlet wool twisted. They made bells of pure gold. They placed the bells amid the pomegranates on the hem of the robe all around, amid the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate on, on the hem of the robe all around to minister as Hashem commanded Moshe. And we spoke about the bell and the pomegranate. The bell, of course, was uh, metal. And the pomegranate was uh, 
uh, embroidered, you know. And so what happens if you remove the pomegranate from from between the bells and you're going to have you're going to have uh symbols so to speak that are clanking together the pomegranate represents the fruit of the spirit represents you know those things the mitzvot the torah and in my estimation the uh the bells represents the power of god i think that this is probably what the apostle Shaul was alluding to when he wrote his letter in corinthians talking about if you don't have love, then all you have is a clanging symbol. It's probably an allusion to the robe of the ephod. So it says in verse 27, They made the tunics of linen of a weaver's craft of Aaron, from, for Aaron and his sons, and the turban of linen, and the splendid headdress of linen, and the linen breeches of twisted linen, the sash of twisted linen, turquoise, purple, the scarlet wool of an embroidered craft, as the Shimon commanded Moshe. They made the head plates, the holy crown of, the, of pure gold, and they inscribed on it with a script like that of a signet ring, holy to Hashem, kavod le'adonai. They placed on it a cord of turquoise, a cord of tzachelet, to put over the turban from above, as Hashem commanded Moshe. All the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was completed, and the children of Israel had done everything that Hashem commanded Moshe, so they do. So it says they, uh, well, I'm sorry, that's the end of the third Aliyah, Sleek. I was getting ready to read the fourth Aliyah. All right, so going back to Midrash Tankuma, we left off yesterday. Uh, this is a long segment about how God creates man and created children. We talked about the fact uh, this is all being related back to Pekude and the individual uh, uh, importance, the importance, I should say, of each individual and how Individually, we make up the Mishkan. We spoke yesterday uh, and even on uh, Yom Rishon at great length about the importance of community. Community, 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 community. You have to be plugged in. Uh, I said on, uh, I think I said, I, I believe I said, I'm not sure if I did or not on, on uh, Yom Rishon on Sunday, that uh, before engaging in any type of, um, you know, argument with somebody online, one of the first things you should ask them is, who is your rabbi? Who is your rabbi? And I, by rabbi, I mean somebody who knows you. No, not, not just Facebook knows you, but knows you. I'm not saying that they're your Facebook friend, rabbi, quote-unquote, that you listen to on YouTube or whatever. All that's fine and dandy, but who is your rabbi? That's what you should ask somebody. We well, find so many people don't have connections. But anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. So it says here, <clears throat> uh, so it talks about the, uh, the, the Hashem is declaring, he makes a declaration whether or not the baby shall be male or female, weak or strong, poor or rich, short or tall, ugly or beautiful, fat or thin, scorned or clumsy. And it says here, similarly, he decrees all its life's events, but not if it will be righteous or wicked. That's the one thing that we get to choose. You know, isn't that interesting? Today, people are wanting to choose their gender. Why? Because they don't want to choose between righteousness and wickedness. They want to choose something that's outside of their control because they want to ignore that which is within their control. The only choice we have, we, don't, we can't choose whether we're black or white. We cannot choose whether we are uh, tall or thin. We can't choose whether we're a male or we're a female. 
We can't choose if we were born in Texas or we were born in California. But what we can choose is whether or not we're going to be righteous or wicked. That's the only thing that Hashem has given to us as a choice. So it says, but if it, 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 but it's not chosen whether the child will be righteous or wicked. Which means, right, if we understand this reality, it's why I've said it's an impossibility. And it's amazing to me how many believers fall into the trap of, well, you know, that person, let's just... That person over there, they were born... Uh, they, they have homosexual tendencies because that's the way God made them. They were born that way. It's amazing to me. Without any scientific proof whatsoever, people just assume that's a natural... Uh, that's a truth, right? But what does that mean? If God has made a statement, and he has... That using homosexuality, for instance, homosexuality is an abomination, it's a sin, it's akin to idolatry, it, it's, it's a sin. What else do you need to say? So if God has made it so that somebody is homosexual, listen to me, this destroys that argument 100%. If you believe that God made somebody homosexual, you cannot believe in God, period. Because if that's true, it means that he made them wicked. He made them a sinner. He did not give them a choice. They do not have the choice to choose between right and wrong. And if that's true, then not only do we not allow to believe in God, but we're not allowed to believe in a just God, Hasvishalom. We have to assume that God is a wicked judge. Why? Because he's going to make somebody a sinner and then he's going to send them to hell for it. Gehenna, whatever you want to call it. So, it, so this is why you can't believe it. You're not allowed you have to make a distinction. You either believe in God or you don't. You can't believe that stuff. You can't believe, for instance, somebody says, I, I, couldn't, be, uh, I couldn't follow a Torah law. Why? I can't give up bacon. That's not true. You choose not to, be, to give up bacon. We have to come back to it's a choice. And we live in a culture where everybody wants to be a victim. Everybody wants to be a victim. It's not my fault. Somebody did this to me. It's not my fault. It's the way I was raised. It's not my fault. I, no, one, no one loved me we got to understand that righteousness and wickedness is a choice. Hey, you know, sometimes we grow up in rich families. Sometimes we grow up in poor families. I would rather have grown up in a rich family, but hey, okay. But I don't have a choice in that matter. What I do have a choice of whether I'm righteous or wicked. So it says here, For that he leaves to the person. As it says, Look, I have given before you today life and the good, death and evil. That's from Devarim 30 and verse 15. The Holy One, blessed be He, immediately motions to the angel appointed over the spirits and says to him, Bring me the spirit of so-and-so who is in the Garden of Eden, whose name is so-and-so and his appearance is such-and-such. You know, very often we think that, uh, you know, we pick the name of the child, but very often God picks the name. Bring me the spirit of so-and-so who is in the Garden of Eden. And he has the appearance of such and such. For all the spirits that are destined to be born in the future, from the day the world was created until the world will end, were all predestined to be for mankind as it is written, whatever has been has already been given a name. That's from Kohelet uh, 6.10. Ecclesiastes 6.10. So it says, whatever has been has already been given a name. Therefore, or thereupon, Rather, the angel goes and brings that spirit before the Holy and Blessed Be He. And when the spirit arrives, it immediately bows and prostrates itself before the King, the King of all kings, the Holy and Blessed Be He. Do you understand what this means? 
that all those people that reject God, the ones who say there is no such thing as God, I don't believe in God, I want a war on religion, every one of them have already bowed their knee to God. They bowed their knee before, before God before they were even born. And that's why when we go back to him, we're going to bow our knee to him then. So it says, Then the Holy One, blessed be he, says to the Spirit, Enter the droplet that is in the hand of so-and-so. So again, when is, when, is a, uh, when is a baby a baby? When the droplet is present. Why? Because the spirit of the child is in the droplet. This is from Midrash Tankuma, which, by the way, is one of the oldest Midrashim. You're talking about rabbis who are writing this stuff, who were, some of whom's, you know, were with Moshe, or at least the words came down from their grandpa who was with Moshe. This is not being written by people in the Middle Ages who grew up, uh, you know, Catholic. In other words, they're hearing this kind of stuff. They, they're understanding the backstory. Anyway, so it says, uh, the spirit opens its mouth and says before him, the master of the world, the world I've been living in from the time I was created is sufficient for me. Boy, isn't that the truth. Who wants to leave Ghana then? It's going to go on and talk about here the transformation that happens. That when we're in Ghana then, before God sends us into our fleshly body, we don't want to leave Ghana then. We're, looking, we're not looking forward to the day when our number is called. And then we get to earth, and we're not looking forward to the day that we're called to go back to Ghana then. So anyway, it says... <clears throat> It's sufficient for me. Why do you wish to put me into this putrid droplet? For I am holy and pure and shaped from the form of your glory. This is why we say in the morning prayers, the soul that you place on me is pure. That's why we say this. And by the way, all the souls that ever, all these souls we're talking about, these human souls, they're all part of the Mashiach. This is what Judaism teaches. So that when the Mashiach comes to rescue people, he, what he's doing is he's collecting the fragments of his souls. He's going about and collecting those broken tablets. He's co collecting those fallen sparks. Anyway, it says, Thereupon the holy and blessed be he says to the soul. You know, I, I, I know I keep interrupting myself. I apologize to myself. <laughs> but that, doesn't this make you want to have children? I mean, really. And, and, that, and again, you know, I'm not... I, I've talked. The reason I bring up so many political statements because there's so much in the news. How can you avoid it? We've got prominent Democrat now saying we shouldn't even have kids. It's crazy. So it says, Thereupon the Holy One, blessed be he, says to the soul, The world I am putting you into is better for you than the one that you've been living in. And at the time I created you, I created you specifically for this droplet. I created you specifically for this moment. This is why you created. Listen, whenever, wherever, and whenever you were born, that's how God determined that. That's how God determined that. It's not our choice. It's God's choice. The only choice we have is whether we're wicked or righteous. He says, then the Holy One must be, he immediately inserts it there against its will. And after the angel inserts the spirit into the mother's womb, he then summons two angels to guard it so that it should not leave there and it should not fall. They take it into there, a lamp that is, that is lit and placed it over its head. This is reminiscent of the ark 
that you know it was cloudy outside, overcast, raining. So where did how did they see? They take uh, did they have Coleman lanterns in the ark? No. Uh, they had LED lights. No. They had a a stone called the Zohar stone, and it provided light supernaturally. So this is the light that's over the head of the child. It says this is the meaning of the verse which says. If only I were as in the early months, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp would shine over my head. And so it says, he can gaze and see me from one, he can gaze and see from one end of the world to the other. This is saying that the baby in the womb has supernatural capability to see from one end of the, of the earth to the other. Just like Adam did. And just like Moses was able to see from one end of the Holy Land to the other. It says, in the morning, the angel picks him up from there and takes him to the Garden of Eden and shows him the righteous sitting in honor with their crowns on their head. The angel says to that spirit, do you know who these are? The spirit says to him, no, my master. And the angel then speaks up again and says, these that you see at first created like you and their mother's womb. And then they went out into the world and observed the Torah and the mitzvot. Therefore, they have merited to encounter all this good that you see. You should know that you are destined to go out into the world, and if you merit to observe the Torah and the, of the Holy One, blessed be He, you will merit this, to be seated with all these. But if not, you should know that you will merit to be in a different place. If you don't do this, if you don't live righteously, you're going to have different reservations. So it says, That evening he takes him to Gehenna, and shows him the wicked there with the destructive angels, striking them with sticks of fire. You know, the reality is we can either observe the Torah of fire, or we can suffer the punishment of being beaten with the fire. Why? Because with the same thing with which God heals is the same thing with which he afflicts punishment. It says, they call out, whoa, whoa, and they have no mercy on them. That angel speaks again to that spirit and says, do you know who these are? It, the Spirit says, no, my master. And the angel says to him, these are the ones who are burned. They are created like you and went out into the world, but did not keep the Torah and the laws of the whole and must be. You realize that the angel is talking to the baby in the womb. Some of our ladies have had babies recently. You should know that your baby experienced all this. So it says, therefore, they have come to the disgrace that you see. And you should know that you are destined to go out into the world, so be righteous, do not become wicked, and then you will merit to live in the world to come. And how do we know this? For it is said, For I was a son to my father, and a tender one, and the only one before my mother. He instructed me and said to me, May your heart draw close to my words, keep my mitzvot, and you will live. The verse is now paraphrased. For I was a son to my father, that is, before I came out of my mother's womb, I was the son of the Holy One, blessed be he. For he disciplined me as a father disciplines his son. And a tender one, and only one before my mother. At that time I was tender, and I was alone with my mother, for there was no one else with me. He instructed me, that is, the angel instructed me. The verse continues, and he said to me, May your heart draw close to my words, keep my mitzvot, and live. The meaning of this is, as we said above, Thus the Holy One, blessed be he, warns it about everything. that We've all had the warning. We have all been thoroughly warned. By the way, what you do not read in this Midrash, very important, is anything about reincarnation. Let me say that again. You don't read anything about reincarnation. There's, there's no statement here about when well, you come back to the world, and if you get it wrong, you're going to get it. You get three, three batters up. After the third bat, you're out. But you get three batters up. 
No. And it doesn't say that God created us to be born at a certain time, but if it doesn't work out, he created us to be born at another time. Doesn't say that either. All that reincarnation stuff, and yes, there are segments of Judaism that believe in it, but you need to know it comes from Hinduism. It does not come from Judaism. 100% should know that. Doesn't even make any sense anyway. If you can be reincarnated and come back and try it over, we... Anyway. But w since when does logic matter? All right. Sleek up. All right. So it says here, the angel take, takes it for a tour from morning to evening and shows that the place where it's destined to die and the place where it's destined to be buried. We've even been shown our, our, the place where we're going to die and the place where we're going to be buried. Then the angel leads it and takes it on a tour around the entire world and shows him the righteous and the wicked. He shows him everything. And in the evening returns it to its mother's womb. Then the Holy One, blessed be he, makes for it a lock and doors and says, He shut the sea and bolted the doors and its flow emerged from the womb. That is from Yeshayahu, that is Isaiah 51, 16. I'm sorry, no it's not. Uh, that's the wrong verse. That's from uh, Job 38, 8. So it says, And it is written, and I placed my words in your mouth, and I covered you with the shadow of my hand. The Holy One, blessed be he, stands and says to it, Until here may you come, and no further. And so the child is left in the womb for nine months. The first three months, the child resides in the mother's stomach, in the upper, in the lower chamber. Second three months, it resides in the, in the central chamber. And the last three months, it resides in the upper chamber. And when it comes time to go out into the world's air, it rolls down and ascends in an instant from the upper chamber to the central one, and from the central one to the last one. At first, it eats and drinks whatever its mother eats and drinks, but it, has, it does not produce any excrement. Thus it is stated, he who performs great deeds that are beyond comprehension and infinite wonders. That's, that's from Ein Sof. Eventually the time comes for it to go out to the, to the air of the world. Thereupon that angel comes to it and says, the time has come for you to go out into the world's air. But it says to him, why do you wish to take me out to the world's air? And the angel says to him, my son, you should know that you were created against your will. So you should know that you'll be born against your will. And so you should know you should die against your will. And against your, you, against your will, you were destined to give a justification and a reckoning before the king of kings. Again, we have no choice in anything except whether we're righteous or wicked. That's the only choice we have. That's why it's the only thing that matters. It says, The king of all kings, the holy and blessed be he, but, but it does not want to leave until the angel strikes it and extinguishes the lamp above its head, and takes it out into the world's air against its will, the baby immediately forgets all that it saw on its way out, and all that it knows. Why does the baby cry, the Midrash says. Why does the baby cry on its way out? It says, because it lost a place of rest and relief, and for the world that it will leave behind. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Another Midrash here, just a couple more things I want to share with you this morning. Again, reading about the babies and uh, we understand the holiness. We understand now, I hope you understand why there's a war on, on children. Why is abortion such a fashionable idea? And now infanticide. I hope you see. 
so the Midrash Tankuma says that something else here. If, remember how Yeshua said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, the Midrash Tankuma says another explanation. The Mishkan of Testimony. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yoki said, there is no testimony besides for the Torah. As it says, these are the testimonies, the statutes, and the laws. This can be compared to a king who had a daughter and built her a palace and placed her in a room within seven halls. He let it be known. He let it be known that anyone who goes into his daughter is considered as if he came to the king himself. So it just got through saying that if anybody comes to the Torah, it's as if they came to God. This is no different than the the uh, angel uh, Memtet when you have coming up, as it says in the Torah, Hashem said to Moses, come up to Hashem. And the sages say, why does it say, why, why doesn't it say that Hashem said come up to himself? And the reason is, is because it's Memtet speaking and Memtet's name is a, is likened to Hashem's name. So if you've come up to Memtet, is as if you've come up to Hashem. Speaking of the Torah, there's something else here in the Midrash Tankum I wanted to say. The says the nations of the world, what can they be compared to? To a man who hated the king and wanted to pr- provoke him, but he was not able to. So what did he do? He went to his statue and tried to knock it down, but he was afraid that the king might execute him. So what did he do? He took a metal tool and dug underneath it. He said, if I cause the base to sink, the statue will fall. Why is it that people, ultimately why, why is it that people are so against Torah observance? Because Torah is the foundation of all scripture. It's the foundation of all belief. If there isn't a Torah, we have nothing. You realize that without the Torah, we have absolutely nothing. We don't even have a belief in God. We certainly don't have a belief in in um in the Messiah, we have nothing. We have we don't even know what the picture of salvation is. We would have no idea what sacrifices are if it weren't for the Torah. So if we get rid of the Torah, we have no foundation. So the, what the nations of the world want to do is they want to cause the, ta- the, the foundation to sink, to be disrupted. Why? Because the ultimate goal is to topple God. If you can get rid of Torah, my friend, you can get rid of God. Why? Because they're one and the same. This is what the uh, goal of the nations is. This is what the goal of people. They don't even. Sometimes people don't even realize it. They are, you know, being used, uh, and they don't even realize that that their entire theology is actually antithetical to God. It's like the Christian who says that that J.C. made all foods clean. They don't realize that. It's a commandment to eat kosher. In fact, that's two chapters, Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14. And so the minute that they say that JC got up and said, you know what, forget about kosher eating. From now on, anything goes, no matter what you want. You want to eat snail? Fine. You want to eat snake? Whatever. Scorpion on a stick? Have at it. Vulture? It's not too bad. And so the minute that we say that, what they don't realize is they've just told the world that the Messiah is a lawbreaker and therefore a sinner, and in their zeal to promote a false doctrine that they believe is true, they've actually made a declaration that the Messiah is a fake Messiah. Hasve Shalom. So a lot of times we, we use, we're, get, we're getting used, and we don't even know we're getting used. We don't realize that we're, we're being used as a pawn to try to tump, topple God. All right, one more thing.
Going back to the concept of the Mishkan of testimony. It says this refers to the Torah. <clears throat> so the Mishkan of testimony is the Torah. So it says this refers to the Torah in which they toiled. In the merit of Torah and sacrifices, the Holy and Blessed be He said, I will save you from Gehenna. In the merit of Torah and sacrifice. Wasn't Yeshua the living Torah and didn't he become a sacrifice? So you can see that this verse is true. It says the proof is that the Holy and Blessed be He showed Avraham the Torah, sacrifices, and Gehenna, the yoke of the kingdoms. And he showed him Torah. Now listen to this. It says in the Midrash Tankuma, he showed him Torah when he showed him a flame of fire during the covenant of the parts. As it is said, from his right hand, he gave them a fiery law. All right, let me explain why this is important. Because during that section in the Torah where it talks about the covenant of the parts, that is found in... Uh, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 17. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 17. It says here, Vaihiha Shemesh, Ba'ab Elata, Vahaya, Vahine, Teur, Ashan, Ve Lapid, Ve Lapid Esh Asher Avar, Bain Hagizarim. So it says here that when he saw the flame, but the word for flame here is lapid. It's the first time that lapid is used in the Torah. And lapid, of course, is a title of the Mashiach. And so it says, he showed him the Torah. How? By showing him the lapid. That is the flame, but it's an allusion to the Mashiach. As it says, I gave them a fiery law. And we know that Memtet is an angel of fire. One last thing. It says, as it is written, all the people saw the sounds and the torches of the fire. This is an, a, a reference to Shemot 20 and verse 15, which is another place in which we find the word lapid. Because when it says in verse 15, the entire people saw the thunder and the flames. The word for flames is lapidim. They saw the Torah. So the Midrash Tankuma is saying, I showed you him the Torah by showing him the flame. That is, by showing him the Mashiach. End of our Aliyah today. May you have a blessed, wonderful, and amazing day. Stay warm. Stay friendly. Don't let people uh, bother you. And remember, if you don't have haters, you're not making it. So shalom, shalom. Love you all. We'll see you tomorrow with God's help.